This episode is brought to you by Netflix. Hold your carriage horses and tighten those corsets. Bridgerton is back. Longtime friends Colin Bridgerton and Penelope Featherington find themselves in quite the precarious situation. The wallflower is ready to bloom, but she needs Colin's help to find a marriage match. Has Penelope truly pushed aside her feelings for Colin? Will Colin realize his feelings before another suitor takes Penelope's hand? And will Penelope's secret identity as famed gossip writer Lady Whistledown destroy any chance she may have at love? This gentle reader can't wait to find out. Watch part one of Bridgerton now, only on Netflix. Hey, you up listeners. I just wanted to share with you a little clip from oversharing the podcast I host with my clinical psychologist, older sister. And this week we had discussed the concept of limerence, which I thought was a super relatable topic for all the you up listeners. It's basically something that happens when you are obsessed with someone irrationally and unhealthily. If I know anything about the listeners of this show, they enjoy that topic and they do that just as much as I do. So here it is. Check it out. If you want to listen to the rest of the episode, you can go to the oversharing feed to listen to the rest of this one. Hello and welcome back to Oversharing. I'm Jordana Abraham. And I'm Dr. Naomi Bernstein. So great to be back after a long weekend from when we're recording this. Um, nice to get that extra day. Makes you kind of feel like all days, all week should be Yes. Four days on so three true. days off. And then you get the short week at the on the on the back end of it. So that's nice too. Exactly. To get into today's what we wanted to talk about on today's episode. So you have been featured in a few different Cosmo articles um, recently, which is amazing. I'm so glad Cosmo is bringing even more of your wisdom to the masses. Yeah, they're fun. And I think one of the the most recent one was titled Seriously, though, is love at first sight a real thing? Um, right. <laughs> and in the article, they referenced this thing called limerence, which I had been hearing a lot about recently. So I know it's big on TikTok. And then Sammy, uh, Betch's co-founder, my friend Sammy, had mentioned it to me as like an interesting topic of discussion. And then I, so I did a little, little deep dive and I was like, this feels really familiar. <laughs> <laughs> It started as a shallow dive, and then as it started to hit the nerves, the dive got a little deeper. Right. So basically, I guess what limerence is is sort of like this like unhealthy obsession with with. It doesn't necessarily even have to be someone you're dating. I think it could be like anyone that you kind of develop like sort of an irrational like positive affect for right. that you're like kind of convince yourself that you're in love with. Um, but. I guess it was, I guess it's a cool name because it seems like the name for like the unhealthy version of that. Yes. Yes. Well, when I think of limerence, I think it's, you know, it could, the, the feeling behind it is a part of, could be a part of a healthy type of falling in love, except it's different because there are, you know, some aspects and you said you did a deep dive so you can tell me what you found there. But I mm -hmm. think a lot of people who are falling in love may have parts of that where you're thinking about the person a lot and, you know, you want to be with them all the time. I, I'm sure, you know, women, I talk to women all the time that have issues in their female friendships because when someone gets a new boyfriend, they kind of fall off the face of the earth, right? They want right. to obsessively spend time with this person or, you know, they are obsessively talking about this person. I have the same, I hear that same thing all the time. I can't even go out to dinner with my girlfriend who has a new boyfriend because all she does is like, oh, Josh had this for lunch and it was so good. And we, you know, whatever. They're just like right. an obsessive need. Like to, smitten. 
kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. So I do think in some ways it is part of the the chemical cocktail of falling in love, but when that's all there is to it, when there is no depth, when there is no inti- true intimacy, when there is no dose of reality, how does this person fit into my life? How does this person handle my emotions? How does, you know, the the real part, then mm-hmm. that's what the distinction is, I think, between limerence and falling in love. Right. In a real, healthy, normal way. Well, maybe I'll, I'll ask you this question. When you said that you've experienced this, how would you say it was different than what you experienced like after you first met Mike, where it really did turn into love versus where it was just like what you would identify as limerence for yourself. Right. Well, I think the difference is when I think of my relationship with Mike versus, you know, other quote unquote situationship type things that I had been in is with Mike, it was like a real intimacy, I think. And it was like, it turned into like that into like, you know, I really feel like I, now I feel like I really know him. And when you, I mean, when you're, but when you're just meeting someone for the first time, you don't really know them, but at least you're like, it's becoming a more intimate relationship. Um, whereas with these other things, I think there was so much more of like, I'm putting this person on a pedestal. Um, I think they're perfect. I, um, um, I mean, I still had that, like that a little bit with him in the beginning where the, um, the anxiety about the texting, I think that's like kind of normal in the beginning, just generally, but it was more, I think the thing that differentiated it and the thing that really makes it toxic, they were saying, because like limerence on its own is like fine because if one of two things happens, so limerence is fine. If like, if the feelings are reciprocal, like bliss, and then like, um, I think eventually it fades as you like actually get into, you know, the secure attached phase with the person and more used to them. Like most people aren't like giddily ignoring all their friends two years into a relationship Mm -hmm. and obsessively thinking about like their text messages. So that's one way I think that it goes away in like a healthy way. The other way is a, an outright rejection of like the person sort of saying, I'm not interested. And I think that's another way to make it fully go away. But what I had, which I think made it last so much longer and feel so much more like toxic is this like mixed signal type situation where I was never like the person was never fully committing to me, but also never like fully rejecting me. So it'd be like a hot and cold situation. Um, which I think makes the whole thing that much more addictive. And also it becomes like, that's what makes it like a drug. That's what makes it like a, yes. you know, quote unquote love addiction when it's, when it's that intermittent thing. Because I do think if I had just been rejected by this person, I would have gotten over it. Or if I had just been, you know, if they were my boyfriend, then I would have eventually gotten to know who they really are and not had this image. And I think there's this, this thing in, in your head of like, they're this perfect person because you don't really know them that well. Right. Like if you knew them, no one is perfect. So if you really knew them like on a deep real level, you would know that like, like anyone that they are flawed. Right. And sometimes you can even, you know, avoid going there because of the fear that this thing feels so it's, it's like an obsession. I don't want to give it up. So I almost don't, I'm not going to push to right. go there because I don't necessarily want to shift this. It feels, you know, it's interesting, right? Because you say it's like, um, it's like, uh, like a drug and it literally is, it's probably low serotonin. Mm -hmm. And 
Low serotonin is the same thing that happens when people have OCD. They have low serotonin. So it creates this, that chemical cocktail creates this kind of obsessive quality. Um, and instead of obsessing about washing your hands or, you know, getting sick, you're obsessing about this person and looking to that obsessive object to soothe, you know, your chemistry. And like you said, it's almost like, you know, the other Cosmo article was the one about the three-monther. And the reason why the three-monthers are so common and so intoxicating is because of that intermittent reinforcement that you're describing, where it's like the person's not fully giving you the security that you're describing that then makes you feel calm, but they give you enough that it feels like, oh, I'm, I'm so close, I'm so close, I'm almost there. But then maybe two days later, they don't answer. They withdraw a little bit. And now it, it pulls. So it almost like doesn't allow you to sink into, in the direction of real love. So I think a lot of these three monthers probably are like this limerence thing mm-hmm. where you're like obsessive, obsessive, but the person, either the whoever's feeling the limerence or the person usually on the other side, you've been in this situation. The limerent object is yes. the, uh, the person who's like the object of your limerence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the limerent object in the case of a three monther might be holding you at enough of a distance that they're not allowing that security to form and they're not allowing it to turn into a real deep love. I see all parts of you connection, which keeps it, keeps you, and it is, it's a biochemical, you know, and it's, yeah. you know, it's something like norepinephrine is another, is another uh, substance that's released during attraction. And that's like a fight or flight. That's the same thing that we, like if you almost get hit by a car or something like that, or if um, you're in a danger situation. So that keeps us alert. That keeps us, that's that thing of like, I'm very, that thing that feels good. Like I'm very engaged. I'm very alert. I'm very, you know, um, juiced like people that are looking for that juice. So it's, it is like this little cocktail of hormones that, um, that isn't always in the case of limerence healthy. If it doesn't start to go down that path, like it did with Mike, but maybe it didn't with Mr. X, whoever that Mm -hmm. is, um, go down a path towards some type of true emotional intimacy. Vulner- vulnerability, seeing yeah. the flaws, right? Well, they were saying, I mean, some of the deep dives I was doing, it's sort of like the reason you might almost be engaging in this like long-term limerent activity because you almost want to avoid intimacy, which just seems like counterintuitive because you sort of know in some level that it won't ever work out. So it can be in some ways sort of just like a way of keeping yourself in this like situation where you're not even getting too close either because you know the other person's like eventually going to reject you or reject you when it gets to that point where it's almost at that intimate phase you guys know i'm a huge fan of skims and with warmer weather coming up i recently tried out one of their t-shirts skims makes the best basics and foundations so it's no surprise that it's the best fitting tee i've ever worn finding the perfect t-shirt can be such a challenge whether it's the fit or the quality but with skims they make the most flattering shirts for everyone honestly i love pretty much everything skims makes but i really love their t-shirts they're like form-fitting and they make my body just look that much smoother i have the soft smoothing seamless t-shirt in onyx it has 
amazing versatility. It is literally a must-have for a spring wardrobe. They're stretchy, they're flattering. You can dress it up or dress it down and you don't have to worry about compromising style or comfort. I also have the cotton jersey t-shirt in marble and it's really just changed the game for me. It's taking the regular t-shirt, it's leveling it up. There's no stretched collars or hems and it literally fits like a dream. Skims t-shirts are made with innovative technology while always keeping style and comfort in mind. From crop silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees, Skims has something for every fit and every body. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small to 4X. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know I sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select you up in the drop down menu that follows. If you're like me and shudder at the thought of low rise jeans and pluck thin eyebrows making a comeback, you're a millennial. And if you're a millennial, it's time to add Clarence multi-active cream to your daily routine. I have to tell you, I'm a huge Clarence fan. I've been using them for years. I love, love, love them. They are such high quality. They're like a legacy brand. My skin always looks better whenever I'm using Clarence products. And it's no different with the Clarence multi-active cream. You've been adulting for a while. So the daily stress of just trying to keep your life together can cause stress aging. Yes, that's a thing. The good news, Europe's number one skincare line has a solution you can trust. Rooted in nature and innovated with science, Clarins has a long legacy of creating industry-first, plant-forward products. Using a skin charger complex made of 2% niacinamide and C. holly bio-extract, Clarins Multi-Active Cream has been clinically proven to target the first visible signs of aging by smoothing lines and wrinkles, refining pores, evening tone and texture, and strengthening the skin's moisture barrier. While Multi-Active Cream can't bring back the golden age of boy bands, it can de-stress your skin. Go to Clarins.com slash UUP and get Multi-Active Day and Night Cream for 10% off, a free welcome gift, plus free shipping on your first order. That's C-L-A-R-I-N-S dot com slash UUP with promo code UUP, Clarins.com slash UUP with promo code UUP. I talk to a lot of people where they'll say, you know, I want a boyfriend, I want a boyfriend. This is, you know, women that are, you know, heterosexual. I want a boyfriend, I want a boyfriend. And then they keep finding guys that are like pretty good and interested and, you know, want a second and a third and a fourth date and call and text and are responsive Mm -hmm then they kind of are disinterested and it's like, do you want the boyfriend? Do you want the actual boyfriend, the guy who's sitting on the couch with you doing the thing? Or do you want like the chase, the chemical excitement of the chase of the boyfriend and the, you know, for someone to want you that's kind of holds you at a distance. And a lot of people after exploring it in therapy after a while, they might realize, you know what? I don't know that I actually want a boyfriend. I just want to, you know, date men that kind of, it's a little bit of a chase. It's exciting. And then I'm not ready for the real thing, which is okay also, you know? I wonder, because there is this sense, if there's certain personality types who are just like a little bit more interested in that. And that might be me to an extent where it's like, sometimes I feel so secure in my relationship that I almost crave being like fucked with a little bit, which seems like just to say it out loud seems really unhealthy. Uh, But I think I was talking about this on a you up episode recently where like I went on a girl's trip and then like I called Mike like the next, we like didn't really, we hadn't really texted that much the night before. And then I called him the next morning and he didn't answer. And then he, he called me back like an hour later and I was like, what is going on? This is so hot. Like, where are you? <laughs> like, yeah. Are you playing totally. a game? Cause it's working like, right. Like, and I got, you know what I mean? You get like a little bit of that, like, and I think, is, is it like, is that super unhealthy or is that, can that be like, okay in somewhat of a normal dose? Because I'm like, 
it feels like wrong that I find this kind of hot. Right, right. <laughs> well, I think it was just like that juice that we're talking about. And it literally is a chemical thing. Like if he would have texted you, good night, love you or whatever, or good morning right. in the morning, you would have woken up and you would have just thought about like what you were going to have for breakfast or what your plans were for the day. But because you didn't get that reassurance, it was like Mike was on your mind and mm-hmm. I don't know if there was some actual thoughts of like, is he with another woman? Or if it went that far, or if it was just like, it feels exciting to be thinking about my partner a lot again. Right. Like that feels just the thought of like, instead of thinking about like what we're going to do on our girl's day, I'm thinking about him. I'm wanting him to call me. I'm wanting to hear his voice. I'm wanting that connection. And maybe there was just some excitement in like, wanting that again or not taking it for granted. It's almost like the way someone gets, if there's, you have a near death experience or somebody, you know, gets really sick or has a car accident and all of a sudden you're like obsessed with them and you're so grateful for them and you're so present in their, you know, I think there's something to be said for that idea of just like having that little chemical moment of fear. Right. Yeah. No, I think that helps you like appreciate what you have. Although it's funny when I was dating, I always found that my friends who were always in relationships were like more turned off by that behavior. And I was always more turned on. Like, right. and that's why they were always in these like long term. Cause if a, if they were dating someone and they would like not hear from them for like an hour, they were like, okay, well like F that person. Right. Um, whereas I would be like, now I need them even more. Yes. I think with this, the limerence concept, there is a bit of that, that it is coming from an unhealthy place or that it is coming from, you know, a traumatic experience that leaves you feeling like an insecure attachment. And so maybe you're comfortable in that, or that feels like it's, um, you know, it's a feels like home. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So I, you know, I do think you know, not to say that you're not healthy because you're experiencing that or that your relationship isn't healthy, but I do think that you, you're biochemically wired, I think, to feel engaged and juiced up and excited by the withdrawal of mm-hmm. affection and for, you know, for whatever reason, where, like you said, some other people, if they feel a withdrawal of attention, that might feel not good or that might feel that make might make them feel angry or disconnected or less interested. So everyone's kind of coming from their own place with it. But yeah. And I think part of, I mean like that used to be like the only way that I sort of activate was like in these relationships. So I do think that there is something that comes with like therapy and like, I think being at a point in your life where you value stability and like connection and like, a real more meaningful, deeper connection than that feeling. It's kind of like, why do people binge drink in college five nights a week and then not do that later in life? It's because they value different, like you grow up and you're kind of like, yeah, that was fun at times or like, you know what I mean? That was a rush up and down maybe, but now I'm kind of looking for, I value the stability and security of like not being in that addiction more than right. the high of it. And I think right. that's sort of what helped me get to a place where, yeah, there maybe, maybe that's like a little bit there. I always have like a little bit of that inside me, a little right. bit of like that feeling. And I think that's okay, but it's not like ruining my life. 
Right. And <laughs> and look, I think there are ways that couples can capitalize on that in a healthier way than like, don't answer my texts and then you're going to get sex when I get home, you know, like, um, you can capitalize that, capitalize on that by doing, and this is biochemistry too, doing things together that are new for both of you that are kind of outside of your comfort zone. It's like, I always think of the, the bachelor effect. Like, why do these right. people fall so madly in love in six weeks? Because they're jumping out of a plane together and because they're traveling together and they're exploring new cities together and they're doing these things that maybe are slightly uncomfortable or just a little bit anxiety provoking. So they're getting some of those, like, you know, some of that chemical, but it's not because the other person is withdrawing right. or the other person is withholding emotion. It's just because they're in an environment that's creating that. And then they're able to connect and kind of, you know, deeply support each other and have that attraction and that attachment with each other within a context that causes some type of, um, that biochemical anxiety. So you can, you know, for example, if you find that you're craving that with Mike when you're away, maybe you do something that is out of both of your comfort zones together as a, you know, kind of spice it up experience. Yeah. Something that like external to produce the adrenaline right. rather than like an internal turmoil. Right. And I think recognizing it probably the first step, but I thought it was an interesting concept. I'm, it, it's, I feel like it's nice that it has a name. Yes. Because it does describe a very specific feeling that I think everyone has felt to some degree, probably some more toxically than others, but interesting. Totally, but concept. I also think it's the same, and I know we have to move on, but last comment on this. Sure. I think it's the same thing that a lot of people, when they're dating, they're like chasing that limerence feeling. They're chasing yeah. that like obsessive feel. Like I, if I don't have that, then I'm, then it's not love. You know, I think a lot of people feel like in order to feel love, you need to have that like obsessive quality, or maybe they felt that with some person in, you know, senior year of high school and it was limerence and it wasn't real deep love and it wasn't, it was like a fantasy. And now they're forever kind of chasing that thing again, just right. because it's like, I saw, you know, the, the view from the top of the mountain and I'll never accept anything yeah. other than that. Yeah. A very, like a, a lifelong sort of like feeling of like the spark of like I need to feel this spark which the spark I think can often be just a sign of like a high anxiety stressful relationship right it's like the flip side of that so that's it for this clip from the oversharing episode this week if you want to listen to the rest of it go to the oversharing feed and we'll be back with a normal episode of you up tomorrow Thank you to our sponsor, Netflix. Bridgerton is back, bringing us another scandalous and sexy season. And dearest gentle readers, you will not want to miss this chapter. In season three, longtime friends Colin Bridgerton and Penelope Featherington find themselves in quite the precarious situation. The wallflower is ready to bloom, but she needs Colin's help to find a marriage match. Will these friends defy odds and expectations to find true love? And will Penelope's secret identity as famed gossip writer Lady Whistledown destroy any chance she may have at love? You shall have to watch and see. Watch part one of Bridgerton now, only on Netflix. Betches.